0: the low
1: Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, your behind the scenes look at Fast Line Media Group and our Fast Line Big Ag and Pink Tractor publications. And we have another great show lined up for you today. We'll head out to Fresno, California to talk crisis PR planning with Carter co president and CEO Holly Carter, who was a presenter at the World Ag Expo. We'll also talk to participants of the National. National Farm Machinery Show, which kicked off this week in Louisville, Kentucky, and we'll hear some honest-to-goodness country music from Shane Owens, whose most recent album was produced by country music legend Randy Travis. You won't want to miss it, so sit back and enjoy this episode of Fast Line Fast Track. First guest from the National Farm Machinery Show is from Nokomis, Illinois, Almond Auctions. Tyson Reed, the marketing director for Almond Auctions. And uh, Tyson, welcome into to Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. Uh, d- just tell us a little bit about uh, what, what you guys are, are doing here at the show and
2: tell us about your business. Well, uh, quick, quick background about me. Um, first time at the show, mm-hmm. uh, which is, this is overwhelming. It's great. This is really, really cool. Uh, My background, just marketing background, I've always loved hot rods and motorcycles my whole life, and I'm venturing into the ag community, so this has been really exciting for me. Almond Auctions does more
1: than 100 auctions live and online nationwide every year. Break that down for us. Tell us a
2: little bit about how that whole
1: process works.
2: Okay, okay, yeah. So we we really specialize in our uh, Almond Vintage Power uh, brand is uh, specialized in usually 1970 and older tractors, mm-hmm. uh, definitely all vintage stuff and uh, it's really exciting to, to talk to these people that have collected their whole life um, there's a lot of passion, there's a lot of emotion in that when they may or may not have to part with it mm-hmm. uh, and families have to make a decision uh, so so that's always big but uh, we, we really specialize in that line, we do them all over the United States, um, we do live on site and online bidding mm-hmm. so uh, we try to do uh, everything we can to show items uh, with a lot of great photos descriptions offer open house times for people to come look at stuff uh, so really um, that's kind of our, our bread and butter uh, we also do regional real estate and personal property stuff uh, farmland and things but uh, we our main focus is vintage tractors and engines and petroleum stuff. Sure you know people are
1: coming to you for the most part uh, when they need to get rid of something because they're looking to turn it into cash not, not always I mean sometimes it's right. because they just need to get rid of it just because they don't need it but uh, a lot of times there there is some need involved so how do you guys kind of uh, uh, walk them through the process and and make it as uh, seamless and as painless as possible
2: Uh, well uh, first off uh, when we talk initially with the folks uh, basically try to kind of weigh out their best options because you know obviously it's our responsibility uh, to make sure we present their collection or their things the best way we can uh, to get them the best uh, and most for their stuff Uh, sometimes these are their life investments so uh, that's kind of our responsibility so we do that uh, we'll uh, we've we kind of over the many many years we've been doing this we uh, have a pretty uh, solid resource on where to go as far as values of things most most things um, and uh, just kind of help appraise it out uh, come up with a good plan for them whether it's best to do on-site only or live and online um, and then we, we go from there and then we, we run with it we promote uh, we set an app budget. We do a marketing campaign for every single auction by itself. Uh, so we do everything we possibly can to promote those items the best way mm-hmm. through all of our venues that we have and our contacts. Mm-hmm. How web and social media play into that this day and age? Oh, this day and age uh, online, you know, it seems to be that's where everybody's going. Uh, typically, it's weighted heavy online only auctions just because I think it's convenient for most people. Um, and we can do them all throughout the year um, at everybody's convenience. Um, but then, you know, people still like to go live and watch the auctioneer throw down and sure. people throw bids back and forth because that's the exciting part. And that's an experience that I don't think a lot of people get to do a lot anymore, especially younger generation. Uh, they don't they don't know what that what that looks like on site. And, and you know, it's, we need to cultivate that young audience to hopefully collect tractors for many years to come. Sure, sure. So what does a turnaround time look like from the time
1: that somebody approaches you about doing an auction to either getting it up? Online
2: or actually having a Physical auction Um, If uh, really uh, every Case is unique at times depending On size of collection Um, if a guy Has uh, for example let's say Three or four really really nice Really rare high end Tractors we might you know say If he's not in a rush to sell them because it's really you know Working for the client so if he's not In a rush to sell them we might say you know we're Going to do this uh, consignment sale at the end of the year Uh, Maybe we want to feature those As kind of the heavy hitters at that time so um, that's kind of, you know, how we do it. So each case is kind of unique, but turnaround times, if, if, if we got to do it and get it done, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's all a matter of like we're, pro- we're providing a service. So really, at the end of the day, um, it comes down to what they need, and we, we'll give them suggestions on what, what we think is best. Sure. So now we uh, want to bring in, you You guys have a cool partnership here. Uh, Classic Tractor Fever yes. uh, is here with me uh, today as well, and uh, they are uh, famous for all- all of the Classic Tractor videos you might see on RFD TV and, and their social accounts are blowing up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just crazy. And uh, Dan is going to be here and going to be talking, and he'll tell you all about that stuff because uh, that's uh, out of my ballpark. Uh-huh. So I'm going to leave that to him. He can let you know. So just how big of a seller are Classic Tractors and how hot is that market right now? It's a hot market. It's a hot market. You know, there's uh, we got a, we've got a handful of tractors coming um, in April that are six-figure tractors. They came from England. I mean, it, it's that kind of stuff that is still floating around out there. You know, it's cool to see like stuff that's uh, you know one of two known to exist kind of thing. That's exciting. It's it's really cool. It's really cool. But you know, you got to keep that that blood flowing and, and that collecting going because that's kind of the thrill of it's the hunt, right? So, yeah. I mean, um, of course, all walks of life love it. So yeah. we just hope many generations enjoy it for years to come.
1: Excellent. Well, Tyson Reed, marketing director for Almond Auctions, we sure do appreciate you taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast track and uh, uh now we'll talk uh some classic tractors thank you and now we're going to bring in dan boomgarden content producer for classic tractor fever dan welcome into fast line fast track hi hey uh so you guys have, have a partnership with almond and it's taking you to a whole other level this is something that's been around for, for 30 years but now you're able to uh, get into more of the digital uh more of the uh, social media tell
3: us how that has just changed what you guys do uh yeah so uh- About two years ago, we started a new partnership with Almond Auctions, um, and they have a real expertise with antique and classic tractors. Um, And so with that partnership, we were able to take uh, years of content that was only really on DVDs and through on the TV show and bring that online. So we've we've increased our social media following through Facebook. We're over 71,000 followers on Facebook. We created a YouTube presence, like over 25,000 subscribers on YouTube, and really expand to a new audience of people that have never seen the show before, and that has uh, really increased our exposure, and we have just wonderful fans.
1: And we should back up and mention that uh, you guys are on RFD TV, and uh, you also uh, have stuff on the website that is uh, for
3: Uh, subscribers and members only. Uh, Tell us where people find that online. Uh, So uh, our our show is on RFD TV. It it airs Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. uh, Eastern Time and then again at 1 o'clock a.m. on Mondays uh, at at Eastern Time. Um, Our website is ClassicTractorsTV.com It has a bunch of online content as well as different information about us. Uh, You can watch hours of video. So um, great place to stop if you love Classic Tractors.
1: When you break down the traffic numbers, what are some of the most popular things that, that uh, people are searching for.
3: So right now, the muscle tractors, stuff from the '60s, '70s, and even up into the '80s, is real popular now. Um, big, uh, big tractors like the Big Bud, um, uh, you know, the, the International Harvester and John Deere. You know, they're always really popular videos. Mm-hmm. What is it about some of those in that uh, in that time frame that you think really grab people's attention? I think a lot of it has to do with our audience. Um, those those are the tractors that they either grow up with or they remember, um, and so that that shift on. Line. As well as um, people like to see the tractors working We have stuff that's plowing and threshing um, People like to see that as well And then the history of it So, so how did the partnership with Almond come about? Um, so, uh, Kurt Allman reached out to Classic Tractor Fever to start this partnership um, to see, you know, if we could become a, uh, an expert place to go for to all of your classic tractor, antique tractor knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, they started a conversation, and this partnership came up, and it's really been a fantastic opportunity for both of them. Where do you see things going from here? So, uh, we see our, our our RFD TV audience growing, um, and we just want to keep uh, producing new content. We're starting with uh, in. the shop segments where we do restoration tips about different tractors and how to work on things. We're doing that. We're doing more of demonstrations of how to do things, plowing in the fields, and just new stories um, and trying to get new content and bring in new audience. So I imagine it's
1: got to be exciting for you to come to work each day and and, and get to really handle some really exciting content.
3: Uh, yeah, it is. And I and I grew up around classic tractors. Um, I collect classic tractors and antique tractors, so being able to mix my video production experience, marketing experience, and passion for the hobby is pretty awesome experience.
1: Excellent. Well, that's Dan Boomgarden, content producer for Classic Tractor Fever. And again, tell them the website so they can look it up. Uh, It's uh,
3: ClassicTractorsTV.com.
1: And make sure you get on that ClassicTractorsTV.com. Check them out. Make sure you check them out on on Facebook and follow, like them, share their content around. And let's just uh, push this thing to the top. Thanks much, Dan. We appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Back on Fast Line Fast Track, we've got Bill Weber, the High Horsepower Tractor Marketing Manager for Case IH. And Bill, welcome to Fast Line Fast Track.
4: Thanks very much. My pleasure. We've got, uh, the show's uh, only been going on for about an hour,
1: and there's already just a ton of traffic, ton of buzz here around the Case IH position here in the uh, Kentucky Exposition Center. Uh, one of the big stars of this show is the new Magnum. Tell us all about it.
4: Yeah, we've done, a, about for the last month and a half out on social media, we've been uh, teasing the launch of the this tractor today at 9 30. So it's a new AFS Connect Magnum. Uh, the reason that the name of the Magnum's changed is the technology that's built into this tractor. So it's an all new design tractor as far as from a technology basis is concerned. It's a new look. looks very much similar to the autonomous concept vehicle that we launched uh, two years ago. And the reason being is is the technology that goes into it. AFS Connect on the side is done for a reason and that's because this is a truly a connected vehicle. Both connected from being able to transfer transfer the data back and forth to the farm operation, the manager being able to manage his farm operation remotely, and also from a different level of support from the standpoint of remote service, remote uh, display viewing, both the dealership can come in and help the staff or help the farmer be able to set his machine up, or the farmer can do it himself from his own uh, tablet or display from that standpoint, and make sure that his operations run in optimally. Uh, there's, a, there's alerts that we can do as far as custom alerts to make sure the tractor is running in the field and doing what it's supposed to do and also remote display as far as being able to see what's been done for the day and everything else along those lines. Now, the way that we do that is we had to completely redesign the operating system that's in this tractor. We went to a Vision Pro operating system. That is an Android-based operating system. The reason we went to Android is they have about 79 to 80 percent of the mobile devices worldwide. So it's the most used on a worldwide global basis as far as operating systems, and it's the most flexible of the operating systems. One of the reasons we went to a more of a cell phone or mobile operating system is everybody's used to operating them. So it's very intuitive to be able to get on to the new Pro 1200 in this operating system in the tractor and be able to navigate and get done what you need to do from any of your operators from that perspective. But let's keep in mind that this is an old school and a new school tractor. It's a transition tractor. So the tractor that you have today, the current Magnum tractor, all the buttons and switches are in this new armrest that were there in the past. So if you've got somebody that wants to run this old school and just use the switches and the buttons and radio dial, you can operate fully operate the tractor just like you are today now if you want to go new school the pro 1200 the operating system and everything else allows you to be able to do that be able to control the tractor uh, the way that you want Basically we, we, we use the theme of freedom around this tractor, freedom to adjust, freedom to monitor, freedom to manage, freedom to transfer and freedom to partner the way that the farmer wants to. It's fully customizable, the brand new cab, brand new color, it's a wheat color, it's lighter, it gives you a more room you feel. We've moved the air conditioner, the seat now rotates 40 degrees, that's twice the, the rotation to the right. And it's allowed us to put a lot more storage and a lot more uh, electrical plug-ins for the devices that the farmers bring to the field today that they didn't bring to the field before. So, for people who
1: have sat out for a few years, that might be uh, now might be the time for them. What what kind
4: of incentive do they have to buy right now? This is the 2020 Magnum. So we are launching it to the marketplace in order that so that people can uh, get the visibility of it and understand how it how it works in their operation and how it's going to advance their operation as far as the. Uh, the build date and the pricing on it and that type of stuff, that's still t- TBD at this particular point in time, but it'll be coming out shortly.
1: So what else is new at the show this year? What should we be looking for out of the Case IH booth?
4: The booth this year, if you come to the show, you'll notice that it's it's much different than it has been in the past. Very open, uh, and it's all about high-efficiency farming, and it's all about technology and AFS. We're leaning up against the AFS Connect table here, which shows how the new connectivity and everything else can be transferred from the operation to the farm. Uh, We've got a a row track here. Which is the 2019 road track, has AFS Connect in its standard. But this ROTAC has our new 18 inch high speed tracks, 25 mile an hour, getting us back to that productivity that we've had in the past. Behind it is a 2130 Stacker Bar Planner, which is brand new. That is our highest technology planner that we've introduced to the marketplace to date. So again, it's about technology across it. Behind the AFS Connect Magnum, we have an 875 Econo Tiger with our AFS Soil Command. AFS Soil Command adjusts is The, the uh, profile of the machine going through the field, so you get a nice level seed bed. So you can see what's below the surface is the same as on top of the surface, as far as that seed bed is concerned. And last but not least is our new 250 Series Combine. We have an 8250 sitting here, Axial Flow Combine, that has Harvest Command on it. That's the automated harvest system that's in the machine. And we've done some testing and some running over this last harvest with both customers and our product specialists. As a matter of fact, we've got seasoned product specialists that this combine consistently outperforms in the automatic mode compared to their expertise as far as setting the combine in the field. So it'll save you more grain, more quality grain in every operation. So, as far as
1: the new technology and connectivity from the folks that are already employing this technology, what kind of feedback are you getting in terms of improved efficiency, return on investment, and,
4: and just ease of use? Well, it, what I've gotten as far as responses, we see a lot of uh, you know the collection tools or the tractor and the combine, and the connectivity that this has to do it automatically. You know, in the past we've used jump drives and things of that nature, but with this being connected and everything else, it does it. They can see what's going on almost immediately so that they know they're getting the technology from that perspective. So it's it's giving them better data to make those decisions and incorporate those decisions more seamlessly in the field.
1: Well we've been talking with Bill Weber, the high horsepower tractor marketing manager for Case IH and Bill, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us on Fastline Fast Track. Thanks very much. And back at the National Farm Machinery Show on Fastline Fast Track, we're here with Ken Paul, the uh, marketing manager for uh, New Holland. And they've got a new tractor unveil here that uh, uh, is creating a lot of buzz. Ken, tell us what you got here in front of you.
5: You bet. Uh, this is uh, the Genesis T8 series. And what's new about this tractor really is the integration of uh, the precision farming element that New Holland has coming up for model year 2020. So uh, really what that integration is all about is enabling uh, our connect, uh, operator to connect uh, uh, with the machine, with the data a lot better than what he has uh, in the past. Tell us uh, a little bit as we look around this tractor here, what, what are some of the,
1: uh, the features that stand out from some of the other models that you guys offer?
5: Yeah, definitely the, the real big uh, feature as far as the tractor itself, uh, outside of the precision farming uh, side of the business is uh, the upgrades that we did with the cab. Uh, it was uh, upgrades to the comfort aspect of the cab, uh, the simplicity that we kind of put into it, a lot of intuitive uh, controls, displays. We went to a uh, tablet like display, very similar to like a smartphone. So, uh, anybody who's familiar with how easy a smartphone can be to operate, uh, we've put that technology uh, into this cab as well. So, for anybody who is in the market or on the fence right now, what's your best sales pitch for, for getting them into this model? Hey, I tell you what, if you want to get connected uh, uh, and uh, maximize your productivity that's coming out of that field uh, this tractor right here is for that person
1: and that was ken paul marketing manager for the t8 and t9 series tractors for new holland agriculture make sure you check them out at the upcoming commodity classic show in orlando Next on Fastline Fast Track, we'd like to welcome the program Holly Carter, the president and CEO of Fresno, California based Carter Co. Ag Communications Incorporated. Fresh off leading a seminar at the World Ag Expo in Tulare, California, Holly specializes in crisis and strategic communication. I invited her to come on and discuss some of the things from farm operators uh, that they should keep in mind whenever they're confronted with a public relations crisis. Holly, welcome to Fastline Fast Track.
6: Well, thanks for having
1: me here. So great to talk to you. When I saw this on the uh, the, the bill for the World Ag Expo, I knew that it, uh, I wanted to have you kind of uh, drill down a little bit on this because I think it's an, a much overlooked topic and uh, it's something that we see in the news so often uh, that, that uh, farms, uh, unsuspectingly or not, get caught up in the middle of something and... Uh, I I would suspect the first thing you would tell them is the time to, uh, to start putting a plan together is not when you find yourself knee deep in the middle of a crisis.
6: Absolutely. Yep. You're, you're so right on. And uh, you know, we try to really drive it home over and over again that we really need to get our uh, communication uh, efforts organized and in order so that we can communicate with our, Customers, our stakeholders, our vendors, whoever we need to, you know, whenever a crisis happens. And, um, you know, just as you run into it, it's, it's difficult to get people to uh, step up and do it on the front end. But, boy, they sure are fast to, to jump to it once something goes wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. And so when somebody hangs out a shingle as a business, be it a business on Main Street selling XYZ product, or if you're a farmer selling your goods to the market, what should be step one in putting together a plan that's just as important as putting crop in the ground?
6: That's a great question. So I think the first thing to do is to figure out all the ways to that your business could fail, mm-hmm. you know, all of the, basically it's a vulnerability uh, assessment and look at all of the things that could go wrong and obviously try to bridge the gap that you identify and make sure that, you know, that, that you have an answer for that, whatever the situation may be, but there's just going to be things that just plain go wrong that, that, you know, we can't control. Um, there's all kinds of those things going on in the world today. I mean, for heaven's sakes, never before have we been in a world where the president tweets out something and, and the, the company's stock takes a dive. Or, you know, I mean, there's just so many different things that business owners have to deal with now. But the, the place to start is just looking at your business and all of the ways that it can fail and planning uh, how you're going to deal with that. And, and specifically, how you're going to communicate what's happening, what you're going to do about it, and how you're going to make sure it doesn't happen again, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, just something so simple as uh, having the email addresses or the the cell numbers of your customers is so important. You know, as as we talked about earlier, just when you need to talk to them, you need to talk to them. Um, And it's, especially in the ag world, it's just not common to have organized, uh, communication infrastructures in place. So when something does go wrong, you find uh, a lot of them posting something maybe on their website about it, really making people work hard to go look for information about what has happened. And that that seems to breed some distrust on the part of the public. So, um, you know, you just want to try to be as transparent as possible and really just sit back and look at all of the ways that Um, your product may go wrong that things beyond your control can happen um you know heck it could be protests right outside your building but if you're the owner of that company you have a responsibility for the safety of your employees and and everybody around you so even that is is imparted upon you to know what to do in that situation so it's uh you add that on to the the fight for water and everything else that farmers have to deal with and it's um it can be really overwhelming, I think, for them.
1: And I know, in uh, almost two and a half decades of of covering business and uh, s- seeing people have to go through crisis situations, and usually I've been the one on the other end having to make that phone call to interview them. One of the most dangerous things you can do as a business is uh, put your head in the sand or, or try to be evasive. But but you see it happen a lot.
6: Absolutely, and it's you know it's, it's a it's a common thing because your first instinct is to uh, sort of huddle up with your, you know, your attorney, or if you don't have an attorney, get an attorney, and and their response to you is going to be just don't say anything because that could put risk out there. But in the world of, of, you know, public persuasion and and reputation management, the most important thing is that the customer sees you as being, um, uh, you know, approachable, uh, visible, uh, transparent, honest, and proactive when a crisis hits. And people are very forgiving. They really want, uh, anytime somebody goes through a crisis, you know, the public really wants to forgive and get behind them and help them rebuild. So it's just a matter of surrounding yourself, at least with, you know, one person that has a, an understanding of that in your organization or, or train them to have that, because you're right, they So often there's just no response or there's something from a lawyer or, you know, um, and then years later you see the settlement of them, just this massive lawsuit. And um, it's just really unfortunate.
1: How has social media changed the game either to the good or to the bad?
6: I honestly think that social media has changed things for the good for agriculture. And the reason I say that is this. Uh, We have a group here called My Job Depends on Ag. And it's just a little organic. Well, it's not really little anymore. But it's it's a it's a exactly what it what it sounds like. It's a Facebook group of people who are involved in ag, and um, they get on there and they tell their stories. My job depends on ag because whatever, right? And pretty much everybody here, where I live in Central California, everything we do is related to agriculture. So what I see social media. Um, being able to provide for the ag industry is is a voice in a narrative that we never had before. Now we can go on and we can tell our stories and and you know it's it's still relatively inexpensive to um, target you know certain audiences on social media platforms. So it's still a really effective way to get your message out, where before you know the the farmers are having to depend upon you know, massive advertised media buys or or whatever, what have you to to get their story out. And this is just, I think it lends itself so naturally to um, to an industry that is so natural. So for me, I really believe it's been helpful. I think it will continue to be helpful. And I think it has shed some light on some of the, the misnomers about ag, some of the, the bad things that get cast our way about farmers, and uh, we've been able to organize through social media across the country, or even even throughout the world on just, for instance, this My Job Depends on Ag Facebook page. So I, I think it's helpful.
1: So when you go out and do speaking engagements such as the World Ag Expo, what are some of the common questions you get from people who are in the audience?
6: <laughs> That's a great question. Um, usually their eyes start glazing over. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I've had to try to, to step back and step back and try to kind of not dumb it down, but, but maybe not put so much information out there because it does get overwhelming, especially when you start taking into consideration the cyber threats, et cetera. But um, I think a common one is just simple essentials like press release. Um, and that may seem funny, but just simple things like what's the difference between a media advisory and a press release, and how do I know when to send one out and what should go in it? And um, uh, other questions might be, if my lawyer says that we shouldn't talk and my communications consultant said we should, who do you believe or who do you trust? Um, Questions like that, more gray area where um, it's, it's not something that you can necessarily look up. Um, but the, the, the whole planning component, I think, really overwhelms people. And it is overwhelming because it sort of feels like if I don't have it all done, and I don't have it all planned and everything correctly organized and implemented, then I, I, I shouldn't even start, right? It's sort of like all or nothing. And what I always try to tell them is, hey, even if you have a, a media list for your region or any area where your, your footprint is, that's a great start. You know, we're never going to be completely there because this is a dynamic industry and a dynamic, ever-changing world. So we're constantly going to be growing and updating and evolving. But I would say that, that probably um, the, the biggest questions have to do with how do I start to plan? You know, wh- where do I even go? How, what does this even look like? Is this a, is this a binder I'm creating or what is a crisis plan? You know, it just, It's just getting through the organization factor and the the, the stigma associated with bureaucracy and just getting down to the brass tacks of, hey, all we're saying is we need to be able to communicate with the people that are affected by what we do, and we need to be able to communicate with them effectively. We need to be able to have anticipated what our most likely crises are and have some essential holding statements, if you will. So. Um, you know, it could be something as simple as, um, you know, as you know, XYZ happened today where we are aware of this. We've launched an investigation. Um, our top priority is to the, the safety of our employees, and we remain committed to, then you say what your, uh, you know, what your your vision statement is or whatever, and uh, we will be back, you know, we will, we will be issuing a statement as soon as more information is available. So I mean, basically, you really aren't saying much, mm-hmm. but you are saying, hey, we know this happened. We are concerned. We're investigating it. And we are going to be telling you what we know as soon as we have the information together. And that alone will will stave off so many negative stories because then the media or the reporters know, okay, we're in we're in a holding mode. And most of them are very professional, and they're just going to say, okay, we're going to give them the time that they need to, to get themselves together and get collected, and then they'll be able to talk to us a little bit more. But just, you know, even having a holding statement like that that can address many different crises by just simply saying, we're aware, we're working on it, we'll let you know as soon as we can, and we care. We'll, I mean, just do amazing things in terms of building trust for a brand.
1: Now, if I am a business operator, a farm operator, and I know I need a plan, if I came to you and asked you for a checklist of, of the first maybe four or five things that I need to put in place, what would you counsel me to do?
6: So first, I would say huddle up with your, your team and figure out where your vulnerabilities are. Obviously, if it's food. Um, you know, you're going to have to anticipate some kind of making people sick or or something like that, a recall. Um, So you make your list of your your vulnerabilities and um, then you're going to look at how best you can communicate to your stakeholders and by stakeholders it just means anybody who's uh, involved with what you do and um, that also involves the community as well. But, you know, you, 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 may not have the same message for, uh, every single audience. So you're going to need to decide who your audiences are and then, um, adjust the tone appropriately. You're going to want to select a spokesperson, somebody that ideally would be go through some media training. Um, and that should not be your CEO. I don't know if you remember when, um, Uh, was united, I believe, the CEO came out with uh, whatever they, however they described that they were, whatever, readjusting this guy's flight, you know, that had been basically beaten to a pulp and removed from the plane. And the, the comment that the CEO gave was so bad that there was nowhere else he could go. So you want to make sure that you select a spokesperson that isn't your top dog so that if there is some kind of a poor reaction to whatever your, your messaging is, you can readjust and then that CEO can come in and say, well, hey, here's what, here's what we really were trying to say. Um, so obviously having your spokesperson ready and trained and um, get your holding statements, um, I would say train, practice, practice it. Um, you know, simulate some kind of a crisis and and go through it, what would you do? Um, Those would be, I would say, that and also having a good handle of who, who the reporters are in your industry, who would be watching you, who would be most likely to report if something were to happen bad, and also look at your competitors. What are they doing? How are they communicating? Where are you seeing stories about them? And also learn from their mistakes. Hey, you know, this could have happened to us, so we need to, we need to really uh, look at how we're going to change this and, and keep this from happening. So those are, I think, would be some of the most important steps to begin creating a plan.
1: Well, wow, hi, you've given us some amazing food for thought here. And if people want to find out more about the work you're doing, where can they go to find that information?
6: Well, we would love to have them uh, look us up on the website, which is uh, cartercoag.com. We're also on social media, uh, cartercoag. And um, our direct number, you can call us anytime. We're available 24 hours a day in case of a crisis is 559-321-8884, and there's an emergency number on there for after hours for anybody that is experiencing a crisis.
1: Excellent. We'll call, Holly, we sure do appreciate you taking the time to talk with us on Fast Line Fast Track, and we hope we can have you back again in the future.
6: Oh, you bet. Thanks so much. Appreciated being here.
1: Next up, we take you to the Legends Stage at the Ernest Tub Records shop, 417 Broadway in downtown Nashville, Tennessee, where we meet up with Shane Owens, a guy whose music falls right in line with our mission to bring real country music back to the country. Shane has had a busy week showcasing his new song, Love to Try Them On, for country radio program directors and disc jockeys in town for Country Radio Seminar. As I mentioned earlier, his most recent album, It's a Southern Thing, was produced by country music legend Randy Travis. It's our pleasure to welcome to Fast Line Fast Track Shane Owens, who's being accompanied on guitar today by Toby Keith's lead guitar player, Rich Eckhart. Welcome to the Ernest Tub record shop legend stage, Mr. Shane Owens. Shane grew up in Alabama and comes from a sixth generation family farm, which I know is important to all of our listeners here in the ag community. Shane, tell us a little bit about uh, what it was like growing up on the farm and uh, just a little bit about how that shaped you. You know, my granddaddy and grandfather always instilled a uh,
7: great work ethic in all of us. You know, I was toting hay out of a field when I was six seven years old you know we grew peanuts and cattle farmed and and different things like that. just growing up in the country and uh, you know my my parents were old school what i kind of call old school and they taught us to be well-mannered
1: and all so i wouldn't have had it any other way what are your first recollections of listening to music and uh, who, who are some of the folks that you listen to
7: well you know i didn't have it really
1: having a uh,
7: choice granddad uh, granddaddy always had george jones playing huh. and uh you know he loved johnny paycheck and jones and, uh, and Vern gosden and uh very young so many great country legends and uh, we just grew up uh, listening to that kind of stuff and I've got a great great uh, passion for traditional country music I think you can hear that in my record
1: mm-hmm. And In a day and age where that's kind of fallen out of favor with traditional radio, why was it important for you to stay with your roots? Well you know like I said I had so many heroes like Keith Whitley,
7: Randy Travis was my executive producer on the last record and what an honor to get to work with not only a country music legend, Hall of Famer but one of my heroes growing up I, I loved Randy's music and, and I like- like I said, Whitley and Jones and so many Haggard and so many other artists I idolized and I just wanted to, I think I owe it to them to keep traditional country music alive. Mm-hmm.
1: You kind of segwayed into uh, my, my next question is uh, how did that partnership with Randy Travis come about and what was it like working with him? Oh, it's unbelievable, man. You know, he I got to witness him
7: uh, uh, firsthand being inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame and got to play the uh, tribute show at the Bridgestone in front of 10,000 people and mm-hmm. just, to, just to work with somebody that's had so Many hits and paved the way for traditional country artists like me. Uh, It was a dream come true. You know, I got to bring him out on my first Opry debut, and uh, stuff like that just comes along once in a lifetime. It's a rarity. So uh, I'm I'm very honored.
1: You've gotten to stand in that hallowed circle there on the Opry stage. Tell, tell me about the emotions that, that went through you
7: the first time that you did that. Oh, man, it's just it's crazy. You know, just mm-hmm. I, I hardly ever get nervous, but I, that night I, I was really nervous. Mm-hmm. That's one place you make sure you want to get it right. Mm-hmm. And we were, uh, you know, uh, honored to be able to play the Opry twice mm-hmm. and look forward to getting on the Opry every chance we get because that's the Mother Church of Country Music and everybody that's anybody that's came up dreams of playing the Opry. Mm-hmm.
1: And when you get Got that applause like that? What,
7: what was that feeling like? Man, it was it was like no other. Oh. You know, uh, uh, I tell everybody, you know, I love the deer hunt, killing a big old eight point. It was three times better than that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. So, you uh, your latest project is the EP called it, "It's a Southern Thing." It's drawn critical acclaim from Billboard and Rolling Stone Country. How do you feel it differs from your previous releases? You
7: know, we had a little bit more um, hand in writing some of these songs right here. A lot
1: of songwriters
7: in Nashville that wrote so many number one songs were gracious enough to pitch those songs to me. So I had to put some of mine on the back burner. But when you got people like Bob Depiro uh, Bruce Birch, uh, Galen Griffin, all those big name songwriters pitching songs, and uh, you know, they kind of uh, We've got a lot in common with those uh, friends of mine that are writers. They know I'm a traditional country artist and I want to stick to my roots, and they kind of write songs that that work for me. Mm -hmm. And even
1: though that... Traditional sound isn't getting the play it deserves on country music radio. You're coming through at a time when uh, you've got YouTube and Spotify. Your single, the video for "Lie," has been uh, has been shown uh, 452,000 plus times. Man, (laughs) what what uh, what does that tell you about where that genre stands and and just that hunger that still exists for for traditional country music? Well, I tell everybody, you know, I believe everybody's talented in our
7: way. Mm -hmm. Uh, The good Lord bless us all different ways and that's what makes the world go around but I'm traditional I'm going to stay that way um, I tell everybody I'm going to live or die with that creed there but you know uh, like I said everybody's talented in their own way but there's millions of people across America that love traditional country music and I think if you go out to one of our shows or, or even at radio they're beginning to see people are starving for that traditional sound
1: sure what's 2019 looking like for you we want
7: to fill that but we want to fill the calendar up man and get out there and play the opera again like I said and go out there and visit as many radio stations as we can, as we can visit we've got a good uh, uh, leap out of um, the shoot with the brand new single love to try them on it's doing uh, it's already getting uh, some rave reviews so we're excited about that and just getting in front of our fans man country music fans are the best when you're not singing what, what do you like to do for fun man I hunt fish yeah non-stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to as much as I can. Uh, yeah, any spend time with the family. Anybody in your family still farming? Um, my granddaddy's passed on. My daddy got out of it, so we're we're out of it now. But we, uh, uh, you know, we we uh, lease a lot of hunting land. Sure. And we uh, we we own a lot of hunting land on the river there in Alabama. So we just uh, we're off the road, man. We're either
1: uh, hunting or fishing and just uh, doing what country boys and country girls do. Gotcha. So now you can check him out at ShaneOwensMusic.com and. She- shane owens music on facebook twitter instagram youtube and spotify did i miss any of them i think that's all of them man. (laughs) that's all man well thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and uh, we wish you continued success in 2019 and uh, we'd love to have you back anytime man thank you so much thank you
0: The question Who's gonna fill their shoes Stand tall in the circle Sing their heart out for you Who's gonna keep a live tradition Once it's all dead and gone I don't know if I could wear them But I'd sure like to try them on well, They used to shine just like diamonds Every time they took the stage Now faded jeans And t-shirts are the craze Of a modern age I miss cowboy boots And nudie suits Covered in rhinestones I don't know if I could wear them But I'd sure like to try them on I sing songs about The common man And the cold hard facts of life Be a modern day Merle behind Martin D45 well, I know those shoes are awful big and the music's almost gone. I don't know if I can feel their shoes, but I troll like a trombone like Lefty from his phrasing to his twang. Well, I did rewind a million times to try to bend a note like John Walls. I don't know if I could fill their shoes, but i sure like to try more. I sang songs about the common man and the cold hard facts of life. Be a modern day Merle behind a Martin D. Well, I know those shoes are awful big and the music's almost gone. I don't know if I could feel their shoes, but I sure like to try more. I did say that I could feel their shoes, but I sure like to try more.
7: Oh. 17...
0: Hanging in the live oak tree. The silver War still roaming around the battleground. The Granny's cast iron skillet still baking that cornbread brown. Well, it's a southern thing. Whoa, yeah, it's a southern thing times are not forgotten But look away Look away It's a southern thing Oh Like no other thing Don't matter where you're from We all got some It's a southern thing Now when your mama gets mad She calls you by. Got the hardliners Riding at the hurricanes And little church ladies Are blessing each other's hearts The moonshine cherries In the bottom of an old fruit jar Well, it's a southern thing Oh, yeah, it's a southern thing Times are not forgotten but look away, look away It's a southern thing Oh, like no other thing Don't matter where you're from We all got some It's a southern thing The devil's waiting for a blues man At the crossroads Got Beckett and the boys Down in Muscle Shore Fans and brothers singing about their sweet home. It's a southern thing. Oh, yeah, it's a southern thing. Old times are not forgotten. Look away. Don't matter where you're from We all want some Yeah, it's a southern thing Yeah, old man, river still rolling into New Orleans
7: Before another Shane Owens Archive
0: My daddy and his daddy His daddy all dressed like that circa 1962 I got some blackberry wine Blankets And two cane poles Got a date with my dark Down at the honey hole Then we'll make some homemade ice cream Some magic on that porch swing Lay back and count the stars a while. Because country, it never goes out of style. It may be old fashioned, but it don't get old. alive life's a little smoother down a gravel road. Let the whole world keep on changing. Well, I'll just be out hanging outside of dance in and out of the beam
1: Smooth country sounds of Shane Owens. You can check out more of his music on the brand new Fast Line Fast Track Spotify playlist, which features more than a hundred songs from past, present, and upcoming Fast Line Fast Track guests. Just go to Spotify.com and search for the Fast Line Fast Track playlist. And don't forget, you can also check out the podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Next week, we'll have more from the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky, and we'll take you back to the legend stage at the Ernest Tubb Record Shop for some great music from award-winning Western singer Bobby Marquez. You won't want to miss it, so please come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastLineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites, FastLine.com, BigAg.com, and Pink Tractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.adams at fastline.com. Something like that.